Season 3, Episode 4. It starts right now. Welcome to the show. I'm Brandon Davis, joined today by Jenna Anderson. Hey, everybody, and hello to David Shepard, who said in the comments that he's watching live for the first time. We're happy to have you. We love you for it. Welcome to the show. We hope all of our beautiful faces brighten your day. We're happy to have yours in the comments section. Aaron Perrine is here. What's going on, BD? She, you know, just another day in Nashville, sipping my coffee and talking about Marvel with my with my my three amigos, and one of them's a little different today. Jamie Girac is enjoying some sleep. We know Jamie loves sleeping in a little bit on the West Coast, and props to her for earning it. And in her stead is Liam Crowley. What's up, everyone? Yeah, me and Jamie just tend to pass each other like ships in the night. We, I've been on Phase Zero, I think, four or five times now, and Jamie's never been here, but I'm happy to see you all. I, I heard the crowd pop. It was like the rock coming on. It was like the millions and millions of Liam Crowley fans in the comment section. Uh, welcome to Phaser, everybody. We have a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about today, including whether or not Madam Webb can actually be a good movie. That's a big talking point for today's show. We're going to talk about the Oscar nominations. We're going to talk about Disney Plus getting caught in 4K, making changes to episodes. What is going on? Lots to discuss. But first, there's two things I want to talk about to start the show. One, is the composite score for our phase, or our 2023 hype rankings, which we did our 2023 hype rankings episode last week. It was chaos. It was hilarious, and we had fun doing it. We're all still best friends. We're only closer for it. We have our composite rankings graphic now that we are going to roll into the top of the show here to see what's what. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse coming in at number one. This is the score. that th th These are ranked based on all of our rankings, basically. As you can see, Craven. The Hunter came in last place for all of us, which means it got one point from all four, therefore four points. It is in 10th place. Echo in ninth with 10 points. Secret Invasion and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania tied for 7th and 8th place. 7th place with 21 points each. Ironheart in 6th with 25 points. Agatha Coven of Chaos, 5th place, 26 points. The Marvels, 4th place, 27 points. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 criminally low at number 3 with 28 points. Loki, season two, 29 points in the number two spot. And Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the number one most anticipated movie according to Phase Zero. It's officially official, and that is the rule of the official world and the globe, and the people are dancing in the streets celebrating that Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has won the hype rankings charts. It's going to break the box office because we said so. What do you guys think of that? Two things, Craven Sweep, and also um, I'm glad that Aaron ranking volume three so low, like did not get it out of the top three. Like I was really worried about how the numbers would shake out with that. He tried, he tried. I, I won. All I have to do is, we all. I don't have to win. All we have to do is lose together. That's it. <laughs> I'll give, some, I'll give some credit to Jim. He was the one who brought it up in the Slack channel, but Secret Invasion is so criminally low. I think that should, I'm actually, you know what? I'm glad it's so low because I think we went into some of the mystery-based TV shows with too much intrigue, and then they didn't really meet expectations. Like, sorry, Jim, but like Moon Knight, I feel like we all went in expecting WandaVision levels of theories and all that. Secret Invasion, I want it to continue to be slept on because I think that show for six weeks, we are going to be pitted against each other with theories and speculation. Can I see the graphic one more time, Richard? Can we pull that up one time? Secret Invasion, hide for seventh with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. You're telling me that Secret Invasion and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania are ranked behind the Marvels, Agatha, and Ironheart? I don't know about that, especially for Ant-Man. This is Kang. This is not Kang's introduction. We all know that came in Loki, but like, actually, technically, this is Kang's introduction because we got He Who Remains in Loki. I think this is crazy. And I say that as somebody who is very excited for Ironheart, the Marvels and Agatha, I'm kind of like, okay, I, I, I'm 
I'm, I'm going to watch them. I'm excited for them. But Ironheart, I'm very excited. Ant-Man being in seventh place seems insane to me, especially considering we all seem to rank these things based on things we know about them. Ant-Man certainly seems to be the one we know the most about. Woo! Woo-hoo-hoo! These ratings are crazy. This is what phase zero will do to you. Mm-mm-mm. All right. All right. Well, we're going to move on. We're going to move on. Uh, two, we promised everybody, if you left us a five-star review with a question in it, we would read it. We would answer your question. I haven't read these questions yet. I just copy and pasted them, so I actually don't even know what we're about to be asked. I'm going to try to read them, make sure there's nothing kind of questionable in here, but questionable for us. Uh, all right. This first five-star review on our Apple Podcasts charts comes from E.W. DeLorme17, who says, Love you guys. When do you think Doom shows up, and will Secret Wars set him up as the next big bad to follow Kang? Who talks first? You talk first, I talk first. <laughs> I'll go I'll go a Fantastic Four post-credit scene. I don't think he'll be the main villain, but I think uh I think we get the old phase four. Hey, I'm here and I don't have a direction in the future, but I'll be a big deal one day. Like uh Hercules and uh Clea and all them before. I, I don't know if I want him to be like the next big bad after Kang. I think part of it is also just, I hope that after Secret Wars, we just pivot so heavily to mutant stuff and we kind of focus on that. But I feel like I, like I answered this on Twitter the other day. I feel like where Doom could show up changes every single day. I feel like it all depends on Fantastic Four. I could see him in a post credit scene. I could also see them completely ignoring him until after Secret Wars. So I don't know. I got him in Thunderbolts. Oh. Ooh, I, Thunderbolts. I mean, you think about it, David Arbor talked all that stuff in that interview for Violent Night where he said we get to drop a bomb in the MCU and perhaps he's dropping a bomb that Doctor Doom is responsible for some of this stuff going on. It makes That's too much sense, call. man. It makes too much sense, man. Like, why yeah. wait all that time? I, 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 if I'm Kevin Feige, I get annoyed with just the constant shaking, let me in, let me in of the mutants, the Fantastic Four, and Doom. We got to solve one of them. One of them got to get solved before the end of this phase so that he could just sleep without the yelling outside of his very, very large house. That's that's interesting. I like that. Aaron has been a prophet before, so yeah. it could happen. He, Aaron, Aaron could be onto one there. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the five-star view. All right. This next one is from Ethan. I've been listening to you since late 2021. Hey, thanks. And have listened to every episode since. Wow. Thank you. I also listen to every episode uh, while it's being recorded. I've never listened <laughs> of our episodes after it's recorded i can't do it i cannot get through it i probably would be better for it but i will think less of myself uh for your upcoming podcast where you will be answering questions i have a good one if you could choose two characters to team up who would they be i would have miss marvel and ironheart because they would be so funny together and have such great chemistry first of all props to ethan for complimenting his own question i respect that uh, <laughs> <laughs> around and answers i like the miss marvel ironheart teammate i want to see shang chi and spider-man team up uh simuli you said it he wants to see uh shang chi train, train spider-man in kung fu i think that that could really be a fun dynamic but also i want to see daredevil and spider-man as i say it but for me i think shang chi and spider-man a training montage the banter between them and the, the way it would change both of them for their paths forward would be really interesting I like that. I would say She-Hulk and Captain Marvel. Like that is the second that Tatiana was cast as She-Hulk, like she and Brie have talked on Twitter, like they're very vocal and supportive of each other's work. I it immediately occurred to me that I would see the two of them on screen probably at some point and I would spontaneously combust. So that is still number one for me. Like I, I need to see them in a thing together. 
Um, Liam, who you got? I, well, I got I got two. Um, one of them can't happen because Steve Rogers is kind of retired, but I love his dynamic with Namor in the comics. Uh, so I'll just go with the the legacy pass on of the torch. Uh, that being Sam Wilson's Captain America interact with Namor in some sort of diplomatic way. And then uh, speaking of torch, I would love to see Human Torch um, and Spider Man, especially because my fan casting for Human Torch will always be Rudy Pankow from Outer Banks, and he played Tom Holland's brother in Uncharted, and I liked their chemistry there. So I think it could translate to the MCU. Of course, Liam watches Outer Banks. <laughs> <laughs> I love Outer Banks, and I want to talk about it. Oh, Aaron, who you got? Um, give me uh, Charlie Cox's Daredevil meeting poor Stephen Knight, like it just trying to make sense of. Wait, so there's three. Oh, okay, all right. I see. I see. All right. And having to represent him or something would be really, really fun. Any of the floor, like ground level heroes with Moon Knight would be so weird. Like I'm sad Liam said Captain America because because I would love Anthony Mackie's delivery of there's a bird God that tells you <laughs> to go around punching things. Because the moon is in jeopardy. All right, sure, whatever. Well, I've seen a lot of weird stuff. Cool. <laughs> Mackie, man, I can't wait to get Mackie back in the MCU. Yeah. Next one comes from Anthony Squints. Love the show as a day one listener. Thank you so much. He's been with us for over two years, Anthony. Uh, I now watch the pod on the YouTube page. Oh, Anthony, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Uh, but I still DL download each episode because I know that helps. Oh, what a W. Walking W, Anthony Squints. Thank you for the support. No question to ask. Just want to say thank you guys, and I appreciate the call. Okay, I should have read these first. No question to ask. Just to, just to call. Anthony, we, Anthony, we all love you for it, too. Thank you so much. Honestly, every one of you who download this episode and watch it on YouTube and subscribe to the Phase Zero channel on YouTube, you help us open doors for exclusive content and more fun stuff in the future. Uh, we're just like the Ant-Man of the Wasp junket is coming up and I'm trying to find some ways to do some cool stuff with that secret invasions right behind it I think and then Guardians so hopefully we're able to keep doing some cool stuff with that but in order to do that we do have to be like hey look this is how many people listen to our show this is the number of subscribers we have so it sounds silly <laughs> every content creator says it but it's true every little bit you guys do for us helps uh, Zach Lawson 8 says love this podcast and the people on it always staying up to date on Marvel news and reactions of the latest developments. I am wondering though, do you expect any of the Thunderbolts members to not survive the whole movie? Thanks. 100%. I think somebody's dying. Probably Absolutely. more than one. This is, this is Marvel Suicide Squad in my opinion. I don't think it will be on the level of the Suicide Squad in terms of no. number of deaths, especially because there are barely like there's there's such a small cast to this movie that we know of so far. But I, I feel like at least one person, this is going to be their big heroic hero's death is going to be dying in this movie. Especially if we we hear rumblings that this is like a sequel, a spiritual successor to Black Widow. And if Florence Pugh is in the lead. I can't think of a, a more emotional weight than by taking Red Guardian away. And I don't I don't want that to happen. We're just getting started. But like if there's gonna be a death that's really gonna impact the team, Red Guardian might be my might be my favorite. You For a second I thought you were gonna say Yelena and I was oh, gonna no. be like, no, Ooh. absolutely get out of here. No. <laughs> no. no. Would riot. no. Honestly, if there's one character I'm marking as safe in that movie, it is Yelena Belova. She survived an explosion a million miles in the sky. And I think she's going to be the like, she's kind of part of what I think is the future of the MCU. Red Guardian, I could see being one who goes. I could see Taskmaster is in this movie, right? Ghost mm -hmm. is, there's lots of rumors online yeah. of Ghost 
I don't know. I see on Twitter, I've, it's all unconfirmed that Ghost might not be a part of the movie anymore. I don't know. I could see Ghost going too. Or if Bill Foster's in the movie because Ghost is in the movie, Bill Foster goes. I'm just ready for more Lawrence Fishburne in the MCU. If they bring him back just to kill him, though, I'm going to have a problem. Uh, but uh, yeah, Bucky Barnes is definitely dying. No, I'm just kidding. No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. Leo's going to be the one that I think, like, listen. David Arbor is wrapping up Stranger Things. Maybe he wraps up his MCU content and just he plays Santa Claus for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And this last question for the day, we'll keep doing these. If you guys leave five-star reviews on the YouTube, uh, on the on the uh, the Phase Zero landing page on Apple Podcasts or send us questions. I saw like Julia, I think, has already left us a review. And I saw her, she had questions mm -hmm. on Twitter. Uh, we will get to the Twitter questions in the Twitter community as well. We'll do that uh, sometime in February, maybe not next week. I don't, don't want to do this two weeks in a row, but we appreciate the five-star reviews. We will go through these. Some of these are from a couple weeks ago. So uh, we really appreciate you dropping these in. And Matty IceW011, Matty Ice, are you a Falcons fan? Were you a Falcons fan? Like, is that a Matt, Matt Ryan reference? Sorry that he never did it for you. Uh, listening every week. Question. Do you think we will ever see Loki in the main timeline slash movies again? Also, Keanu for Silver Surfer. I, I can get with that. I like Keanu as Galactus because he's. I think he's got a good voice for, for Galactus. But I could I could see it. You know, I think Keanu is, as Norrin Rad would be a little bit of a waste of Keanu's hand-to-hand -hand combat skills, personally. <laughs> But, uh, but he could right. just fit the vibe. He would be so weird in a way that like mm -hmm. Silver Surfer kind of needs to be. So mm -hmm. I, I could definitely see that working. I feel like we're going to get Loki back into the fold in some sort of capacity. Even if it's not a thing where like the other heroes are like super aware of his actions, we might still see him kind of dip back in more into like what the future holds for the MCU. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the sun the sun is going to shine on Loki and Thor again. We're going to get some sort of reunion scene in either Secret Wars or Kang Dynasty. Like that seed, I think, was planted with the intention of eventually sprouting it. Um, Keanu for Silver Surfer, I don't hate, um, but I'm more of a Rami Malek guy myself. Mm. Ooh, brother, we thought you dead. We mourned. We've already heard that line, literally, <laughs> eleven years ago. I think we're going to hear it again. Yeah, they're oh, they're yeah. they're going to be reunited. You, they're gonna ignore the the truckload of money and like the all the crowd reaction TikToks of people losing their <laughs> minds when the two of them are like like point at each other in a hallway. Like, what is Loki? Um, <laughs> even if it's like the frog Loki and then yes. alligator, <laughs> like oh, if they meet each other, we, all of us are gonna freak out. And if it's their voices, we'll still do the same thing. They could do it twice. Like, why stop? Also, I hope poor Keanu just. He can sit down at some uh -huh. point because this ain't kind of long. Into I don't want him to have to do all of this stuff. Like I just want him to like sit on his bench, and eat his sandwich, and rest, <laughs> and look over a thankful the Oracle universe and look out at the simulation. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the sun rises. I've seen that movie too. All right, y'all. Uh, we're gonna take a quick one minute break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about all the MCU news. That means the Oscar nominations. Who we think should have been nominated in the past. We got some Avengers 5 updates, and we caught Disney Plus and 4K changing things, and we have a big debate to have about Madam Web. So lots of MCU news coming your way in just a minute. See you in a sec. Welcome back to Phase Zero. We got some MCU news to talk about. We got lots of Oscar noms to discuss. Liam, you want to take this one? Absolutely. Academy Awards season, we are in full swing. And the Academy just loves Black Panther. Uh, the first film in 2018 got seven nominations. This year, we got five, including Best Original Song for Rihanna's Lift Me Up. 
Best Costume Design from Ruth E. Carter. She was also nominated in 2018 uh, for her work on the previous film. Makeup and Hairstyling from Camille Friend and Joel Harlow. Best Visual Effects from Jeffrey Bauman, Craig Hammack, Christopher White, and Dan Suddick. And this is like the dozenth project from the MCU to be nominated for visual effects. It always gets love in that category. But the big one, the one that everyone's talking about, the glass ceiling shattering category, Best Supporting Actress, Angela Bassett. It's official. We have broken through that forbidden door. An MCU performance has been nominated at the Oscars. It's rare that a comic book movie role gets nominated alone. Uh, the only one I can really think of is the Joker, both Joaquin Phoenix and Heath Ledger, Best Actor and Best Supporting. And they both won in that category, which is pretty neat. But uh, this is huge because I don't know if Angela Bassett will win. I know she's been picking up awards so far. I think she might be a sneaky favorite. But even if she doesn't win, getting nominated alone just puts this franchise of just great performances in another level. And I think it just means that uh, Marvel's going to continue to get love at the Oscars, which is really, really exciting. And a question I want to ask to you all, uh, in the past, we've had over 30 projects in the MCU, uh, less than 30 theatrical films, I believe. What are some of the theatrical performances that you think warranted a best actor, best actress, supporting, supporting, whatever it be, uh, warranted some Oscars love from the past phases? Uh, Jenna, we'll go to you. Well, so mine technically is not an Oscar thing because I was just going off of like best in the MCU, potential award worthy. Wilson Fisk, Vincent D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk to me is like, that is such a magnetic, compelling, interesting take on the character. He is so commanding in every single scene, even like people can have their qualms about Hawkeye and how super powered he was in the finale of that. But like just having him back, having him play that role, there's nobody else who has that kind of performance in the MCU. So it's like, if there was a world where he could have won an Emmy or even been in contention, that would have been so good. I I think Tom Holland's work in Spider-Man No Way Home was exceptional. Ooh. I think that he did such a such a good job in that. And I, I mean, is it best actor nomination? I don't care. Uh, maybe. I, I mean, there's some incredible, like Brendan Fraser, you know, all these people who are nominated deserve to be there. But I do think that uh, Tom Holland's work in No Way Home specifically was was really special. I mean, that, that sequence where he lost Aunt May, that sequence where the, the other two Spider-Men find him on the rooftop, you really feel it where you stand there in the rain and I mean, you could see that there's tears mixed in with that water that's fallen on him. I think Tom Holland's a tremendous, tremendous actor. And I think he did a really brilliant job in no way home. Sure. Um, I'm going to first, I'm going to speak up for Jamie. We've all were hoping that Elizabeth Olsen would have won something for freaking WandaVision. It's still really silly that they didn't do it. Like they didn't get anything like as far as the acting roles in that show, judging by how it dominated the conversation the way it did. Um, I would also like to say, although like Black Panther got the best picture nod, they didn't give Chad anything. And that's a weird, weird moment. Like we're all gonna look back where it was like, hmm, like what? Like the face of this franchise that people are still yelling about, uh, you know, online never really got any awards love for like a defining role for the entire MCU where you have other actors like RDJ and Chris Evans and people saying that this is our biggest accomplishment was this movie and that there were no like individual performances until right now from that franchise uh, represented is kind of, it's a little weird, a little strange. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we've broken through though. And one that I'll give, um, and this might get me some hate, but I, I need to speak oh, up boy. for it. Tom Hiddleston in both Thor 1 and Thor The Dark World was exceptional. 
Like his conversation with Odin in the first Thor movie, when he's just yelling at him and just like, are you proud of me and everything? And then in Dark Worlds, like the conversations he has with Frigga and the conversations he has with Thor when he's seemingly on his deathbed. Best supporting actress for Tom Hiddleston in either of those movies, I don't think is that crazy. Having having now gained some distance from Thor Love and Thunder and processed all four Thor movies, Thor 1 is still the best Thor movie. And that's largely in part due to the family dynamic, the performances, the Shakespearean tone that Kenneth Branagh brought as a director. Thor 1 is my favorite and the best Thor movie. Look at that. I just, it's like, okay. All right. And they don't know what to say. I will also say I'm so sad that Jamie is not here while we're talking about the Oscars and awards because I know this is yeah. her Super Bowl. So oh. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not going to act like I'm some sort of awards nomination expert, especially this year. I, I'm, I usually know a bit more than I know this year. But uh, I do want to say I think the Woman King getting shut out was so weird, man. Yeah, that movie was phenomenal. And there were so many phenomenal elements from the directing to the acting to I mean, just so many elements of that film and it not getting nominated. In any, it was nothing, right? It got it got no nominations. Nothing. That, Big that, zero. That should, have been, should have been best actress for Viola Davis and cinematography. Those are two that I think are just ridiculous snubs across the board. Also, Man. I was told y'all love Jordan Peele. What the I heck? Thank you. What happened? <laughs> it's really good. The he, like the fact that it got shut out only proves the narrative arc of that movie is so much further. Of like yep. it, it it's so poetic, but it's so sad at the same time that it got completely shut out. The swimming pools by Kendrick Lamar of movies, where we just all <laughs> sit there in the club going, Hey, it's like, oh man, cirrhosis of the liver. What are you talking about? All right, y'all. If y'all want to talk more about the Oscars, I do believe the Comic Book Nation podcast will have you covered on Friday. Uh, and uh, we got we got we are instructed to stick to Marvel on this show. With uh, every once in a while, we'll get off topic and have some fun with it. But we got a lot more to talk about in the Marvel Cinematic Universe here. So I do I do suggest checking out Comic Book Nation this Friday. I believe Kofi, Matt, and Janelle will have you covered with some more Oscars commentary. But right now, we're talking about the Avengers. We got to talk about the Avengers. This is where I get excited. This is where I get really fired up. Okay, we got some new Avengers 5 quotes from writer Jeff Loveness for SFX Magazine. Shout out to them. Uh, As I'm building the Avengers, I want it to feel like a generational struggle. Phase 4 felt like the birth of new characters. You're giving everyone a little bit of breath. You're broadening out the universe. You have fun Disney Plus shows that are elevating characters. And now I think it's time to put the pedal to the gas again and really take all of these new characters that we like and throw them into the fire which I know somewhere Brandon Davis is just like, yes, yes. He also called Kang an A-list top tier villain as well, which I mean, we all kind of expect from what we what little we've seen of Jonathan Majors in the role. Do you like that we're going to uh, give all of the new uh, Avengers a trial by fire? Yes. Finally, <laughs> the MCU is coming back <laughs> together. Finally, like phase four was fine. Like there was a lot of good stuff, a lot of stuff that was exceeded expectations, a lot of stuff that didn't meet it. But finally, crossovers and meaningful stories as a whole universe are going to happen again. And the Avengers are going to get that as beat by Kang the Conqueror. I am fired up for this. Jeff Loveness has me hyped. Avengers and Kang Dynasty is what I'm waiting for. That's why Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in part. I do think 
the characters on their own. The movie standing on its own is very exciting, but it also has the cherry on top and the whipped cream on top of a nice cider, maybe a little whiskey in it. It's just the right concoction for a cold winter day to get us fired up for the future of the MCU starting right now. And Kang is going to be epic. We're going to have a lot. Shang-Chi is going to be there. You know Ant-Man is going to be there. Will the re- Who else from Phase 4 is going to be there? I don't know. I don't care. Plenty of them. Their stories are finally going to start to connect. And Jeff Loveness is going to make sure we see more broken helmets and faces getting punched by Kang in the MCU. Let's go. I'm saying. Okay. See, I told you I was getting fired up. I told you. <laughs> we just need that clip isolated for when the movie comes out. Just to like look back and just see how you were forecasting the movie. I'm just so excited to see... All all of the different character dynamics, like regardless of whatever hell they put them through, I'm so excited to see all of these characters who we haven't really seen together outside of like a cruise ship video. Like I'm excited to see all of them actually interact and like what their rapport is and then put them through hell in the process. That's what I'm looking for. I want those dynamics between characters, that Steve Rogers and Tony Stark rivalry. Who's that going to be going forward? Who is going to be like, I don't want the same roles to be filled. I don't want, you know, two people butting heads because it's, you know, nobility versus like technology and what's best for us type of stuff. I want, and like a, a powerful guy like Thor and a logical person like Natasha and then Hawkeye who just shoots his little arrows and all that kind of stuff. I want to see though, how these characters fill roles in, in, a, in a group setting. And I think that's really exciting. These characters are all very different. All these characters that we've met in phase four, they are going to drive each other crazy. And some of them are going to become best friends. Some are going to really care about each other. Some of them already do. If you watch the final episodes of She-Hulk, there are some relationships that are growing. I'm ready to see these things get, these people get pitted against each other, have to take care of each other, how they team up, how they complement each other, how they need to, to like learn to work together. I can't wait to see it. And Kang is a really formidable, if you've, if you've read these comics, if you've watched any of the animated shows, Kang is such a threat, man. I don't know. There's no Rick Jones in the MCU and Steve Rogers isn't creating a future where there's uh, an, an apocalypse. So I don't really know what Kang is coming back for. I don't really care yet. I want to get there. And I think the journey is starting. And Jeff Loveness has me hyped up. Yeah, I completely agree with, with all, all the sentiments. And I think that phase four will be looked back at once we've gotten through phases five and six with much more fond eyes because we'll know where we're going. And one of my favorite quotes is, uh, once you fly first class, it's hard to go back to coach. And I think we are very spoiled from the buildup from phases one until three because the first Avengers movie was a six person team up. And then we added more faces for Age of Ultron. And then we added everyone for Infinity War. And then we added everyone, everyone for Endgame. And then we went back to just kind of everyone scattered. The Avengers are no more. We broke up like a band, like the Beatles. So now that we're back in building to an actual Avengers movie again, and we're gonna get more crossovers, like with the Marvels coming up, getting Kang and Ant-Man Quantumania, like these are the, the signs that built to the special stuff from past phases. So if we're going to trust history, I think we're in a good spot. I, I definitely think that that's there was an element of that to the first one, like leaving off of like these massive crossovers. And the only one to really have like a big giant crossover in phase four was Spider-Man No Way Home and how much people love that. They're probably going to lean into more of having these characters bounce off each other in all the projects. I, I'd be shocked if it wasn't like I'm telling you, that's why I think some of those. Disney Plus series are ranked higher than Quantumania because there's going to be one of them where somebody pops up and you're like, wait, what? Why, why are you here? And we all just cheer. One Someday, Jim, you're going to see Moon Knight again. I don't know where, but you are. <laughs> Aaron, I, want, I got a question. Are you intentionally rocking the can colors today? 
Uh, it happens that way. I've been trying to figure out if we get invited to go to Ant-Man, how I can do that as a suit. It's been hard. I'm very tall. You invite a lot of Jolly Green Giant-like stuff when you're this tall. You wear a bunch of green. So we'll figure it out. I love it. For everybody who's listening, Aaron's got a green hoodie and the purple the purple hair compliments it really Kang, Kang-esque. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. All right. We're going to keep moving here. All right. This, this is something that I find very interesting. Disney Plus multiple times now has edited episodes after they release. And the latest time that they have been caught in 4K, and I saw evidence on Twitter that this happened all the way back in 2022, that distant, distant time ages ago, but it is making the news cycle that came across our desk now. Miss Marvel changed the Statue of Liberty. Now, I remember complaining about this on the show on Phase Zero last year. The Statue of Liberty was green like it is in our world, like it had been in the MCU, up until we saw it in Spider-Man No Way Home, where it was a copper color getting a Captain America shield added to it. The shield fell down, they had a fight, all that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. There's a reference to the Statue of Liberty in Hawkeye. We see it in Miss Marvel. It was green, not copper. Now, they have changed it. The Statue of Liberty in Miss Marvel is now the copper color that it was in Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay. I have lots of thoughts on this, but first I want to list off other times Disney Plus has changed things. WandaVision changed its credit scene. They added a bunch of trees to that mountain near her cabin. We all were like, hold on a second, wait. Is this because that's one Nagore mountain and it's going to play a role in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? No, no, the answer was no. The theories didn't matter, like, like most of the theories back then. Uh, they also changed the opening credits to the Halloween episode. When the Vision was on the screen, it said the Vision, and then they updated it and it just said Vision. They also changed the Falcon of the Winter Soldier. There was that sequence where the scientist gets shot. There's blood in it. A couple months later, they re-uploaded it, removed the blood, got called out on it, added the blood back, and said it was just a mistake. It wasn't supposed to be censored in the first place. The Mandalorian had Gene's guy. He was digitally edited out. Book of Boba Fett had a shot where it's overhead, and you can see that the set is literally a set, and behind the walls of the faces of the buildings, you can see like the wood construction holding it all up, that was edited and fixed as well. So here's, you know, there's two reasons this could be happening, I think, and I'm not an expert on on filmmaking, but I, I, you know, I pay attention to a lot of this stuff. They are getting lazy. <laughs> or there's just so much, they, because they know they could fix it later, I want to add that, that, that they see this opportunity to fix it later, or there's so much content happening that VFX editors and directors and stuff are starting to make these mistakes because there's such a demand to meet these deadlines with so much content, or both, because when you have so much content happening and you know you can go back in and fix it later, well, let's just get the content out there. Okay. I don't know. I'm not really trying to complain too much about people making mistakes. We make, I've probably said things on this show that were inaccurate or something. We all make mistakes. I'm not faulting anybody for that. But I wish that these things would happen less because you only get to watch these for the first time once. We all make our theories. We all talk about this stuff. We all experience it. The continuity, the connectivity of the MCU and all this stuff, the immersive nature of being in a Star Wars universe or a Marvel universe is very important as a fan. I get it, mistakes happen. This happens to everybody. It happened on The Walking Dead all the time. Stuff like this happens. But it's just like, man, it's so weird that there's no physical media to go back and have the original version of this that can't be changed. And now anything can be changed. These are just the ones that we have found. 
there could be other ch- things that have been changed along the way because there's no way to really compare it unless you every day have like the original version playing and constantly play it with the newest version available in Disney Plus. I think it's kind of weird. I don't, I'm not really a fan of their ability to do this. I get it. I appreciate that they changed Miss Marvel to fix the continuity with Spider-Man No Way Home, but I'm also like, damn, I do wish for the viewer experience it would have been right the first time. I'm curious about this whole situation because I wonder if it's a lack of planning where Miss Marvel takes place in the continuity. Like, did they decide possibly late in the game that now it takes place after Spider-Man No Way Home and then they change that to reflect it? Because that tab on Disney Plus, never in the history of tabs on streaming services has one tab made more news than the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline order tab on Disney Plus. And that thing has changed before. Like, they've altered where stuff goes many of us think it's because if stuff takes place simultaneously they just kind of argue which one ends first per se but i'm just curious if miss marvel was shot to completion premiered on disney plus and then they decided months later like actually we'll put it after no way home so which to me bugs me because i don't want to call out the mcu for a lack of planning considering phases one through three were like the greatest seed planting in cinematic history however there's a lot of content right now, and I wonder if they have a little revisionist history and are, are changing things in ways. But also, to that point, in phases one through three, like it's not like all of the seeds were so intentionally planted and they knew what they would grow into. Like You had Iron Man 2. He says Project Exodus, Pegasus, and Genesis. Pegasus turned out to be Captain Marvel in the 90s. Exodus or, or, or Goliath turned out to be Bill Foster. Like Obviously, you know if you know Marvel Comics, you expected Goliath to be Goliath. But Pegasus being, you know, part of the Avengers movie and then Captain Marvel so many years later, that just seems like a thing where it's like, okay, we have this opportunity to connect it really well. Now it's like, okay, we're not connecting things. We can just fix it later, which is just kind of, you know, it doesn't have that same magic to it. I get it. Yes. Like the comment said, I understand mistakes happen. Don't let it happen again. (laughs) Like, I mean, sure. Obviously, you know. I know because like I completely agree with everything BD said, especially the physical media component of it of like this is why it is frustrating that none of this stuff is available on physical media. Um, But I will also play the devil's advocate of this is what happens in comics all of the time. There are countless instances of, oh, a character appeared in a team book and is wearing a costume that they got rid of and changed into something else like 10 issues prior. And it's like, well, now you have to kind of take into account where does this fit in the story because that's distracting enough. But then there are smaller things of like coloring issues or lettering issues or something where it might be printed one way in a single issue and then in a trade paperback it might be printed differently and then in a trade paperback 10 15 years later it might be printed even differently so like it's a thing that happens in superhero storytelling it's just i think because the mcu is the first fully fledged superhero thing like it the fact that it is also doing something like that is kind of weird it is still like i i agree i think it's the glut of content i think there's so much going on that like a comic book company publishing x number of issues a week some things are just going to slip by but then where do you draw the line I don't know. I think it's like if it's something like all of the examples that you had were weird, but they're still small in the grand scheme of things. They don't really change the narrative in and of itself. I think if it's a thing of like, oh, we start deep faking Mark Ruffalo into the Incredible Hulk or we like significantly change the actual text of something, then I think that might start to be a problem. Sure. I'll tell you right now, if they ever add Avengers Tower with a different logo to the background to any of these New York stuff, we're going to have a problem. (laughs) We're going to have a problem. I could have known the answer months ago. Aaron, do you have any thoughts on this before we move on? Uh, I do. I think it's also an underrated element of it is that no one was keeping track of this stuff before, at least not readily available for you to just Twitter search 
this thing happened in the background. Some of these things got changed in post and no one really was coming, like going through with a fine tooth comb. Um, also, I think just that Spider-Man is a weird thing because does the other Sony movies even know what's going on with No Way Home? Because look at more with Morbius, like what? How did they don't know their own stuff? So how could Kevin Feige and them know? Like it, it's a it's a weird uh, situation with them over there, which we will get into later. But yeah, I I, yeah. I was like, I mean, good for y'all, huh? Ultimately, I do think it's because we're getting spoiled by having so much content that it is hard for all of these things to keep in communication to plan these things the way that like Liam just pointed out to start this was that, you know, it, in phases one through three, it was at most three movies a year. You could have these teams talking. Now it's you have an episode of a Disney Plus show dropping the same week as a movie before the next show starts two weeks later and the next movie comes two months later. There's so much happening at the same time. Keeping up with it. I understand what, you know, I'm not like, mad say that's unacceptable how are you you're, you're incompetent for making this mistake no but it's just like okay it's weird that these things they have the ability to do this and there's no physical media also i just want to buy these things on 4k so that i can actually have a full stack of collected titles instead of feeling incomplete like i only have the movies <laughs> moving on uh let's talk about chloe bennett shall we yeah, this, this is the freshest news that we're talking about today because it happened like a couple of hours ago. But Chloe Bennett, uh, I believe it happened a couple of hours ago. At yes. least, you know, socials were talking about it very recently. Mm -hmm. um, there was a tweet that was sent out uh, about how claiming that Chloe Bennett was like the best part on a soap opera like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and then she responded to that by saying, uh, I've, I've said this before and will say it again until I see something to change my mind. Uh, or sorry, this is the original tweet. Um, that they could not, the person who called out Chloe Bennett could not see her sharing the screen with actresses like Florence Pugh, Haley Steinfeld, Samuel L. Jackson, blah, blah, blah. Um, that tweet was responded to by Bennett herself uh, saying, hey man, you seem like a mean loser. Also, I have a strong feeling that your tweets aren't going to age well. So this kind of lends to the possibility that she has ha shared the screen with some of these major names. She has held her own. She is very impressed. And we're going to see it at some point. And this tweet is going to age like milk. So it depends to, it depends to be seen uh, if Chloe Bennett will reprise her role as Daisy Johnson in the MCU proper. But a lot of people have her tied to possibly Secret Invasion because of the whole S.H.I.E.L.D. connections with that storyline. She has denied that in the past. She has also posted pictures in the past of her with Daisy Flowers being up to something. Her on Instagram stories being in the gym training for something. Um, and we've seen Marvel actors deny involvement in projects before just to actually be in them in the end. So uh, for anyone who has Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. love, uh, I would love to be educated on the value that a character like Daisy Johnson could bring to the MCU proper. I am so sad Jamie is not here. Like I am oh. crestfallen that she is not here to take over this. I, I still have not seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in its entirety. I won't get into that. I will just say like, be nice to Chloe Bennett. Like that is just a blanket statement. Like between the Powerpuff Girls reboot and all the discourse around that, which she's no, now not even I'm, involved with that. I'm, and that might not even happen anymore. Who knows under Warner Brothers. But between that and then all of the discourse of this, it's just like, leave her be. Like, come on. She, whether or not she shows up, I think it would be great if she shows up in Secret Invasion. But if she doesn't, it's not the end of the world. But if she does, who cares if she's not on the same caliber as these Oscar nominated people? She's still like a person that people love seeing as this character. She still understands and commits to the character. That should be enough at the end of the day. Was, was there anything like mean said about like, I mean, like, I don't know. 
Like what? What was the? I, I didn't see the whole conversation, but was it like a fair criticism? Like an like just like an opinion? Like oh, I don't think she's on the same caliber because people can criticize people. Like I'm not gonna criticize somebody for criticizing somebody, but if they were doing it in like a mean way, well, there's a difference. But I so, don't know. I, what, go ahead. Yeah, there there was one tweet just saying that she was not on the caliber of Florence Pugh, Haley Steinfeld, or Samuel L. Jackson, and then parentheses could keep going. So a little little much. But then the tweet that she responded to specifically was uh, someone was saying that she was the best part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then that tweet said, being the best part of a soap opera is not much of a compliment. Um, and, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone's denying that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. side by side compared to the Disney Plus shows is on the same level of quality. Um, but, you know, it is something that someone spent seven plus years of their life working on. And then to just be kind of relegated to being called a soap opera like you know i like soap operas they can be fun but still. <laughs> yeah i don't know it's it's they uh, i don't know there's a there's a line you have to walk when you like especially when you're in this industry uh when you criticize something and how you criticize something because a you could get pushback or you you know if you're if there's a respectful way to criticize things but yeah um i don't know in terms of chloe I, I think she's. I think she's coming back. <laughs> I wish. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll touch on this again when Jamie's here, because uh, we do have to keep moving. We spent a little more time uh, on some of these topics. We're like Monday Night Raw thirty. We're gonna have to cut some segments <laughs> to keep things moving. Uh, let's, talk about, let's talk about Namor next. Yeah. So if you if you listen very closely, you can hear Nicole Drum in front of the show screaming in the distance. Um, Kevin Feige has teased that there is a future for Namor on the Wakanda Forever Black Panther podcast. He said, "You know, people who read the comics know that there are eighty years of stories with Namor." that we can tap into. So where and when we'll keep to ourselves for now, but we think that this is an incredibly iconic character that's being introduced probably to most people, most moviegoers for the first time, and we expect them to want to see more. I, I'm so glad he said this. I feel like Namor is such a versatile, such a compelling character. I think Tanak portrayed him so beautifully and just the way that they adapted his world is still one of my favorite things out of the entire MCU. So give me anything Namor that they can legally do given the rights issues, but give me as much of him as possible. Like I won't say no. Talk about a character that'll be fun to see interact with other Avengers in these crossovers. I mean, also one of the most interesting dynamics has already been set up between Namor and Shuri. Can they ever actually be allies? He killed her mom. I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what, what, how that plays out. Yeah, I'm I'm down for any and all Namor. I saw con uh, uh, a fan design of like a Namor costume on the comic book Instagram, and I was like, this is just a costume that's going to evolve. We got one movie with Namor. I think this man is a big part of the future, and I hope so. Like I always said when we were doing all the Black Panther press, that they they put introducing to as no more for a reason it wasn't just like as it was like nah we kind of know what's going on here also thank you Tanahasi Coates for asking him so delicately even though you know he's gonna try and tap dance around it him and you hear Nate Moore try to say something in the side and Feige was like nah let me cook <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully we see him I think Thunderbolts, probably. Maybe. Oh, you just want everyone in Thunderbolts. <laughs> Listen, Thunderbolts. They they discovered electric rocks in Kenya last week. It's happening. <laughs> it's all coming together. AR marketing. Stack that. Honestly, if they're looking for for vibranium in in Thunderbolts, then then this man is going to have something to say about it. Speaking of Thunderbolts. Oh boy. Uh, oh boy. 
you have Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh, getting on Jimmy Kimmel Live and confirming that she's in Thunderbolts, even though we've seen the poster. Love the glasses. Um, she said, I actually can, you know, confirm that I'm in that project. I'm going to be in Thunderbolts. Yeah, good guys are doing bad or bad guys are doing good. And then, like, she talked about, like, the idea that her, her character's like a bad guy. She's like, I think she straddles the line between good and bad. I think it's a bit of both. I think it's a little bit unclear. It's really unclear to me. And then goes into an abstraction where she's like, she asked her grown son, shout out to them. I hope they listen to the podcast uh, about what does this mean? What does that mean? She mentioned universes in the answer, which I was like, what? Like, she's just like a normal human, right? Um, so... I don't know. And she also teased because they were looking at her first appearance in a, in a comic where she's fighting with Nick Fury. Like, well, she, they didn't get you your comics costume. And she said they still might. So if you're if you're into that, you know, you're, if you're if you're down for that, which I think we all are, I'm still laughing. That's what I want. Thunderbolts. Her to talk to Tenoch. That would be hysterical because the way that she was talking to Agent Ross and Wakanda Forever, I'm like, oh, so she's just gonna look all y'all up and down when she sees y'all. It's gonna be great. I think Namor's fuse for her would be very short. Oh yeah, <laughs> very short. That's exciting. Thunderbolts just got so hyped on this show, so unintentionally. Because <laughs> it's like the Avengers movie of Phase Five, right? Like, because both Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars come out in Phase Six, so. Yeah, uh, we we talk about the lack of connectivity throughout Phase Four. JLD is like the the counter, the the rebuttal to that because you know Falcon Winter Soldier, Black Widow, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Like, there's a consistent storyline for this character throughout multiple movies, throughout multiple mediums, television and and streaming. Um, and the fact that it's all going to come to a head in an Avengers level movie, which is what Thunderbolt seems to be, uh, is really cool. And I love the idea of. Uh, you know, anti-hero Nick Fury assembling uh, the the heroes that are aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. She's the Thor. Or the Thor. She's she's the <laughs> Nick Fury. She's the Nick Fury of. Uh, I was thinking about Thor one being better than all the other Thor movies, oh, uh, but yeah, she's like what Nick Fury was in the in the Infinity Saga, putting them all together. Except they're not as noble, I guess. We'll see what happens. All right. We're going to take a quick one-minute break. When we come back, we have quite a conversation. We are going to be talking about Madam Web, what we know so far, and what we expect. See you in a minute. Welcome back to Phase Zero. What a show it has been so far, and we're about to cap it off with a great debate, Madam Web. All right. So yeah, we have to talk about Madam Web. Um, it wrapped production recently. It releases on February 16th, 2024. So just over a year out. Emma Roberts, who has been cast in the movie in a largely unknown, heavily rumored and speculated about role, spoke to Collider and she said, we had a lot of fun with it. It's obviously such an amazing cast and it is such a unique take on a Marvel movie. So I'm really excited for people to see it because I think it's going to be very unexpected how they tell the story. I have so many thoughts about this movie. I said during our rankings episode last week, if this was still coming out this year, I would have put it way too high in my rankings. Like everyone would have judged me. Um, so I, I ask all of you first and then I'll butt in. Uh, do you guys think this movie is actually going to be good? <sighs> oh my God. <laughs> Listen, like many Sony Marvel movies before it, it has 
some of what it needs to be good. Will it be good? I mean, who knows? Who knows? We're a little over a year away from it. It's got a great cast, some really great cast members. A character that doesn't have such a fan base and a lore that you can, like, if you do things differently, people will be annoyed. I mean, I'm not, it's got a little bit more than El Muerto, but Madam Web is a character you can take some liberties with, you can open the multiverse with, and if you actually do something sensible, unlike the offensively stupid Morbius post credit scene, you can make something good here. You can introduce new characters that I care about and make a good story. You have enough source material that offers enough freedom to actually make something good. <laughs> it's not going to be good. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Who knows? Well, I don't know. I've been hurt so many times by the, by this, this, this conversation itself. <sighs> of, of all of them also. Yes. Layla, El Morto sweep, but aside <laughs> from a bad buddy, <laughs> bad buddy aside, I think this has the potential to be the best of these for real, because one thing I guess you have as a strength of not having such a rigid, like connected universe is that these movies can be really different. Me and Jenna's biggest thing about this movie is they took a stylistic direction in that it's a throwback 2000s sort of vibe for the movies, right? Like, I think that's really smart. I think it's interesting. I think it's instantly going to make it a little bit more distinct from some of the other stuff that they put out, like for the Morbius and what we haven't even seen anything in Craven, but I assume it's going to have similar toning, like for sure. Um, until we see otherwise, I have to assume. And also that Silk TV show that's like barely in the infancy of its development. So I think that definitely it has the best potential to be like a thing. The the stuff that you hear about the plot or whatever, like just amorphously on the internet, is like, okay, I could be down for some of this. You know what I mean? So SJ Clarkson, the director on Madam Web, previously directed a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. On the resume, Jessica Jones, Succession, the unaired Game of Thrones prequel pilot. That's a lot of faith from HBO right there. Didn't get aired, so I don't know what to take away from that. There's Bates Motel. I mean, there's some good stuff on S.J. Clarkson's resume. Banshee. Uh, Heroes. Y'all remember Heroes? <laughs> I mean, you got to save the cheerleader. You save Madam Web, you save the world. Dexter. S.J. Clarkson has... A pretty solid resume. This cast, Sydney Sweeney, Emma Roberts, Dakota Johnson, Adam Scott. It's 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 looking all right. It's looking all right. This has potential. Madam Webb has has a lot of potential. Liam, what do you think? Well, Brandon, you said uh you said you've been hurt before, and it's been almost a year since Morbius. So I think I'm ready to be hurt again. <laughs> I think I'm ready to drink the Kool-Aid. I think I'm ready to 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 buy in to whatever this crazy terminator style spider-man light movie that madam webb is uh for the reasons you just mentioned the cast is stacked uh we're all sleeping on the fact that adam scott is in this movie like i think he is the perfect possible live action peter b parker if we're going to go in that direction emma roberts is super talented sydney sweeney is like one of the hottest actresses in the business right now in terms of just star power there's there's a lot that's going right for this movie Um, I don't know how these Sony Spider-Man scripts attract the level of talent that they do because they've got Tom Hardy, they've got Russell Crowe, they got Aaron Taylor Johnson, who's also a massive name in Hollywood right now. He might be attached to play James Bond, and he's also willing to play Kraven the Hunter for whatever reason. So 
you know, there's a lot that's going right. And, and the one glimmer of hope I will leave on this movie is it was shot in my backyard of Boston, Massachusetts. I don't know if it's going to be set in Boston, but if it's set in Boston, I might feel obliged to just really, really root for this thing to succeed, even though it might leave me in tears. And for the Easter eggs that we all want to see, I mean, we've already seen the Daily Bugle is in set photos with the regular logo from the Spider-Man trilogy. So but they're clearly can, trying can, to beat us. Right there, though, because the Easter eggs mean nothing. I know I just praised this movie, but the, <laughs> we saw the Oscorp Tower in a Morbius trailer. Eh, thrown out, deleted scene. We saw Toby's Spider-Man spray painted in the like deleted scene. They 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 falsely market these movies to suck us in. Now now I've done a 180. Now I've done like <laughs> now I don't want to see this movie. Now <laughs> like and that's what these movies do to a person. They they uh, it's why? Just make a good movie. Well, the good news is, action. isn't the rule, isn't there a rule being passed that you can't show deleted scenes in trailers anymore? Like you can't falsely market it's movies not anymore? A rule, is that it's, true? It's a thing that could give you a lawsuit. Yeah, because there was the the yesterday movie about the Beatles. Ana de Armas was in the trailer and was never in the movie. And so people like started a class action lawsuit to try to get compensated for it. And it is like actually going to court. So now people are like, can't have false information in trailers because then you might go to court. <laughs> The difference is that yesterday was actually a good movie. Yesterday yeah. was good. Morbius yeah. wasn't. <laughs> I will. I will say just beyond like the Easter egg component of it. I Sony Easter eggs are so baffling. I don't even care about those. Those are not why I watch Sony movies. The Sony movies that work for me, as I have said on the show, I am a Venom defender. The Venom movies are just fun and stupid and entertaining, and it needs to be entertainment. Entertainment first and foremost. And I feel like. Madam Web has the potential to be incredibly entertaining. It also feels like a just kitchen sink kind of movie. It feels like, not to bring everything back to the Suicide Squad, but like there had never been a comic where that particular lineup of characters fought Star of the Conqueror. Like that was never a thing that existed in the source material, but it was still able to be an entertaining thing. Based on what we know about Madam Web, none of those components have ever really been in the same story in this particular kind of way. And so I think that alone has me really intrigued for what it could be. And when you like have all of the cast and you have everything else i i think it has potential i'm ready to be hurt again but i'm stupidly more optimistic for this than anything else that sony's doing right now certainly with you on that i think that this has higher potential in my mind and will deliver more than craven will and i say that as an aaron taylor johnson fan but just the limited bits we've heard about craven that's a character who they're making a conservationist apparently uh craven the conservationist who wears lion heads after they die peacefully in his arms, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Madam Web. Ultimately, we're all pretty skeptic, but have high hopes. Is that is that sir? Is that the critic consensus from Phase Zero? I'm I'm hopeful. I have like a smidge of skepticism, but I'm I'm probably more hopeful than most of the people here. Even so. if it's bad, but it delivers on like yeah. this shared universe thing that they supposedly setting up with Peter and yeah. whatever is going to happen with Tom Hardy's Venom, whatever that will be a success. Because right yeah. now I'm like, what's the point of some of the connectivity if you're not going to lean into it? You know, are we expecting a Spider-Man? Exactly. I. I have a reference to him. I think like Aaron hit it on the head though of like so many of the Sony movies have been origin stories that haven't really gone anywhere. Like other than Venom, Morbius has not gone anywhere. Craven seems like an origin story that we don't know where that's ultimately going to lead. So I think like those are inherently a little bit more disappointing. Whereas like Madam Web just seems like this just like kitchen sink of a bunch of different elements. So that alone has me more excited. And Morbius I will say more love at the Oscars. I, I, 
I love I love the kitchen sink nature of this because one of my friends recently watched Morbius. He just sent me a, like a Snapchat of, of him watching Morbius. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, and he was like, why well, it's so bad. It's good, right? I'm like, no, that's the thing. Nothing happens. It's so bad, period. It's like, it makes you regret spending no. two hours of your time Stop. in this movie. Nothing <laughs> happens in Morbius. It's better than both the Venom movies. Wow. It's, no. It's better. It's better than Let There Be Carnage. No. Let There Be Carnage Definitely is- Definitely better than Let There Be Carnage. But regardless, like nothing happens in Morbius. Uh, if this at least, you know, there's some cool costumes, some cool fight scenes, some cool characters, like- Something to just make me eat popcorn and turn my brain off of. Like, I'm not expecting cinema. I just, I want something of substance that I can watch on YouTube. Like, YouTube a quick scene or, like, you know, like, something that, like, is memorable. Because nothing's memorable about Morbius. He drinks <laughs> blood just lost all your the Dark Knight game. You got, you, what, you mean, what do you mean it didn't accomplish anything? You had Matt Smith dancing. That's an accomplishment. <laughs> there we go. That's an accomplishment. <laughs> Jared Leto controlled the bats. That's an accomplishment. Okay. They alluded to Xavier's school of gifted mutants, even though they don't have the rights to those characters. They can't do that. Like, Xavier Arjona is going to become a vampire. <laughs> Boom. That's, yeah. What a movie. <sighs> Let it be known that the shield heli helicarrier for phase zero fell out of the sky because of the Morbius <laughs> argument. They, we jettisoned the Hulk out at this exact moment. That's what they... <laughs> Captain America and Iron Man start fighting. Was In conclusion, more. Madam Web Sweep. <laughs> yep, absolutely. In conclusion, we all think Madam Web is going to change the trajectory of the planet Earth. The core of the Earth is going to start spinning in a new direction because Madam Web is going to change. It's going to bring so much gravity to all of us. All right, y'all. That's our show today. Jen, any last words for Phase Zero? Um, as always, go read some comics. There's some really great ones out this week. I wrote a review of the new Cat Catwoman one shot, which is excellent. If you want to learn about Kang, which I, I saw people in the chat asking about Kang comics to read, there is a Kang uh, trade paperback that came out this week. It's called The Saga of the Once and Future Conqueror, and it is a bunch of just random Kang stories. So you can kind of get like a feel of how powerful he can be in the Marvel Universe. So go read that. And it's at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn on all the social media. Aaron. Uh, it's at some Lake Horner on Twitter, and I have a conversation for you guys coming up when I actually get it. I managed to speak to Dominique Thorne about Ironheart and about Wakanda Forever yesterday, and I don't have the footage yet, but I'll get it. And you guys will hear there's some fun stuff in there. She was dancing around, trying not to say anything, but there was something very interesting she did say. All, all you Iron Man fans, y'all should be on the lookout for that. Oh, I don't even know what you're talking about now, but I'm intrigued. I will be clicking and watching. Liam, what you got? Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk Marvel stuff with you guys. Uh, you can find me on socials at Liam T. Crowley. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in comicbook.com. A uh, whole lot of wrestling coverage. A lot of Percy Jackson coverage. Uh, the show is wrapping production like very, very soon. Uh, so hopefully some news tidbits are going to come out, uh, possibly some casting announcements. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, I talked about Percy Jackson on the Seaweed Brain podcast recently. I want to give them a shout out because that was just such a great time. Um, and if you're looking to go to the movies this weekend, uh, go see Searching. Or no, Missing. Missing is the sequel. I was floored by how much I enjoyed that movie because computer screen genre films should not work. But with all of us, with our short attention spans nowadays, they fly by and they are extremely engaging. And Storm Reed was awesome. So go see, uh, go see Missing if you haven't seen it already. And if you want 
a movie that's going to make you sick to your stomach, go see Infinity Pool. My <laughs> goodness, I've never seen a movie like this. I saw the NC-17 version, which is more of just body parts and bodily fluids, and I don't just mean blood that I ever needed to see in a in a film. It was it was something, but the but the story was quite fantastic. It was very in, engaging and bizarre and weird. The NC-17 version is not in theaters. The R-rated version is in theaters this weekend. So if you're into some crazy horror sci-fi type stuff, Infinity Pool is something else, man. Uh, I have an interview with Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth, which just published on the comicbook.com YouTube channel. You can go check that out. Uh, but it is not a movie for everybody. If you don't like incredibly graphic stuff, which I don't, I legit covered my eyes and just left the top little portion of the screen several times so I could see when the scene ended. <laughs> If you like that, this is a movie for you. Uh, if you don't, oof, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, but all right. So please subscribe to the Phase Zero channel on YouTube. Dominique Thorne's uh, interview with Aaron will be coming up, and we will have more stuff coming to the channel more and more as we go on. Ant-Man of the Wasp, Quantumania is just around the corner, so stay tuned. Thank you so much for the five-star reviews. We will see you all next week with another awesome episode of Phase Zero. Have a good weekend, weekend, everybody.